you know, I'm surprised anybody came to the first service. I sent that email out, and I thought, well, I've just done myself in. Everybody's going to come to the second service to hear the kids, because we're going to do a lot more with the kids in the second service. So if you want to stay over, because we're believing the Lord for a real revival amongst the youth. Not only here, we believe it here, okay? We want revival in our young people here, but we're, you know, there's a revival that's going to happen in the whole world of young people. And the cool thing about this revival, it's not just going to be young people, although they will be sort of the uh, catalyst, okay? They're like the catalyst that's going to really cause a, a Holy Spirit explosion in the world. Amen? And we're all going to be touched by it, every generation. That's, that's what I'm seeing happen. So, you know, the Lord, uh, I shared Wednesday night, uh, you know, we last Sunday morning, I, let me, I'll share this quick testimony, okay? Last Sunday morning, I was supposed to go to that camp. That was me speaking there. Uh, I don't know what I was saying, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I was asking the Lord Sunday, last Sunday morning, I was saying, Lord, what am I supposed to say to these young people? Because I don't want to just go there and, you know, just pull some scriptures together and share some message uh which is a good thing to do, but I really want to give them something from you. And the Lord, for the first time in probably eight years, spoke to me about young people at that moment uh, and really started giving me a fresh, renewed my vision for young people. I had really, and I didn't realize I had really lost my vision to see a real move of God with the young people, but I had lost it uh, due to, you know, the last real move of God that we had in our church back in the, uh, with the young people back in the late 90s and the early 2000s. A lot of woundedness came out of that, and uh, it just the enemy got in and really made a mess. But so, thank you, Lord, for wisdom. Amen. God causes all things to work for good. So, uh, so I was had lunch with Bob Jones uh, Wednesday, and I told Bacon on the way. I said, you know what? I'm going to ask him about this youth thing. You know, and when I got there, I got there a few minutes later. There was a couple other couples sitting in his living room. And I walked in the door, and guess what he was talking about? The youth. God had already uh, just in the last day, last this past week had begun to speak speak to him, but uh, he didn't really need his vision renewed because uh, he's had a vision uh, since he went into the heavens, went before the throne of God years ago, and the Lord told him in the end time there will be a youth revival uh, over the earth where millions and millions and millions of young people are going to be saved over the whole earth, and one uh, just. You know, one of the things that he saw recently, he saw a gathering of 40,000 young people in this area. That's going to be powerful, isn't it? When 40,000 young people on fire for the Lord uh, are going to come together, and it's going to be like that, that bonfire we were watching up there a minute ago. It's going to be the fire that's going to really begin. It's going to spread. And so we believe the Lord really wants us to be a part of that. And uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited about that young man getting saved. Uh, at that at the camp, that's uh, you know most kids who go to camp, at least in our circles, are already Christians. So you know, somehow he slipped in, and I'm glad he did. Maybe next year a bunch of them will slip in that don't know the Lord, and and they'll get saved. But we don't want to wait the next year. So we really want to see God move, and we want to facilitate that. And our leadership in our church is really committed to facilitating a move of God with the young people. I use the word facilitate because that's what you do. That's what a real leader does. He facilitates what God's doing. And 
So I want to encourage you to be praying for the young people. They're going to do the whole service, I guess. I'm not sure what they're going to do. But. Yeah, let me just throw this in there, too. Is the You know, you guys seen the 40-year commemoration of Woodstock? Yeah. This year, when I saw those pictures of that sea of people, I just saw the multitude Yeah. Like a, in a godly way. You yeah. Know? It's like I just felt like it's no accident that the Lord's speaking this to Bob and you, and then all of a sudden, bam, you know, it's Woodstock's yeah. 40th. It is. It is time in the earth because uh, we need a move of God. And because we, we've had a move of the enemy with the young people. A lot of young people are being destroyed by the devil. So you really have to get this heart in you like, wait a minute. Some people have this mindset against when you talk about a move of the Spirit and all that. They've got to get rid of that, man, because the enemy, there's a move of the devil in the earth. And he's destroying young people. He's destroying young people's lives. And they're not even getting a chance, really, to live out their lives, you know, I'm sure many of you, you know, we grew up in the 60s and 70s where there were just drugs, and I had close friends that never made it. They're dead. They died overdoses, and uh, some of them were, their brains were fried, and they've dis been dysfunctional all their lives. And that's the work of, the, work of Satan. And God, there's another work that God wants to release, the work of the Spirit in the young people so they can grow up and live lives that really are, are a blessing in the earth. So I'm excited. Amen? Y'all yeah. excited? So ask the Lord to speak to you. He will. I mean, I was shocked when he started talking to me. He's like, oh, my goodness. You know, I really didn't realize how I had drifted from uh, lost a vision. It was, just, it was in there, but it had just gotten closed over. And God began to stir that in me. So thank you, Lord. So if you didn't get prayer this morning, you need healing. There's a healing virtue in here today. And we want to uh, acknowledge the people who drove the feathers this morning, and they drove from Kenya. Let's give them a big hand. <laughs> Probably flew, but those are, uh, that's Marlon's mom. Raise your hand, Marlon's mom. She, of course, she lives in D.C., but then there, there's his two cousins that, that, that are from Kenya. So we welcome you, and Lord bless you guys, and... You know, we are crazy here, but it's a good crazy. Trust me, it is a good crazy. Everybody's crazy. Trust me, but you just got to be a good crazy. Yeah, so we're glad you're here. Yeah, thank you for coming. So, you know, it's so great from, pe from people from other countries come into the church. Amen? All right, so I'm going to share. A, I got a 30-minute message, but it won't take 30 minutes, Lord willing. Okay? And... Uh, this is, gonna, this is one I felt like the Lord spoke to me uh, about discouragement because a lot of people are discouraged. This has been a very discouraging year in our nation, right? We hear discouraging news all the time. So there's this spirit of discouragement that has been released against the people of God. And if we are going to be successful, this is really a key for us, is we have to learn how to deal with discouragement. Everybody has emotions, right? And, and, discouragement, and discouragement and depression is an emotion that we have, okay, that we all have to deal with. Anybody here never had to deal with being discouraged? Raise your hand. See, that's something we all do now. Some of us may tend to get depressed more than others, but the Bible has a, a lot of information in it about discouragement, actually, a whole lot of information that's very practical, okay, very practical. And we, and we need to learn how to deal with that emotion. We need to learn how to overcome it when discouragement comes at us because not only are we dealing with a, a, a discouraging environment like with our government. I mean, I don't, I'm not here into politics, but I'm not really liking a lot of things I hear the government saying and doing these days. It's discouraging to me, okay? 
But also, we, we've, we've, we've had a discouraging year. A lot of discouraging things have happened to us. You know, there's been a, a, a lot of people have gone through economic crisis in their life. That's discouraging. We've seen some people die this year that should not have died. That is discouraging. Okay? And, now, and then we had this overall government thing that's discouraged, that the American people, everybody's discouraged, even people who like what the government's and they're discouraged about the state of the nation. And so there's a, there's a lot of things that we are having to face, but I believe God has given us the ability to overcome discouragement. Okay? So what I wanted to do is I wanted to show you some scriptures and show you how... Dis- and basically what I'm doing is I want to show you how discouragement comes into our life so we can be aware of how discouragement comes and so how we can deal with it. Because if you get into a discouraged state, you're in a defeated state. Okay? You can't really function discouraged. All righty? And you definitely can't function when you fall into depression. And uh, so, are y'all with me? Let's look. I got a few scriptures. I'm going to go through them. And I'm not going to linger on them. But the first one is Colossians 3.21. It's actually the only one out of the New Testament that I wanted to use. Uh, but I wanted, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Lose heart. That word lose heart is basically what we're talking about, discouragement, when you lose heart for something. And basically the meaning of that word lose heart, it means that there's a fire that is in you that's been quenched. Okay, it's a, there's a fire in you that's been quenched. So that's a good description of discouragement. Is there's the, the, the fire, the passion, the, the, the thing that we're living for, the thing that we're going after, the thing that gives us meaning of life, the song in your heart has been quenched and damped down. Amen? And so you see what it is. It's something that's on the inside. It's, it's our soul realm that's being affected. Okay, and what God, you know, and so God really is interested in the health. I want to say this. God is interested in the health of your soul. Because if your soul is unhealthy, what God places in your spirit will never be able to get out. Because your soul is the vehicle that expresses the spirit of God in you and your spirit that comes out. So I'm big, I personally am big into soul health. My mind, my emotions, my will, my heart condition, all those things. I'm really into having a healthy soul uh, just like you need to have a healthy body, be able to, you know, walk around in this world. But So what happens is the enemy goes after people's hearts. He, he is going after mine and your heart. He wants us to lose heart. He wants to quench the fire in us that we have towards something. He wants to take that song out of our heart so when we wake up in the morning, we don't have a song in our heart. We have a, dr- a dredge in our heart. You know, that we're, we wake up and we look at our day, we look at what we're doing, and there's a sadness. There's, a, there's no vision for the day. And that's a sort of a miserable, miserable uh, thing. Now, let's look at Deuteronomy 121. Number one, okay, the first, here, here's one of the ways that discouragement or, or the loss of heart comes in your life is through bad news. Everybody say bad news. Here's what, this is what Moses was telling the, the Israel when they were fixing to head into... Uh, to, to the promised land. He said, See, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord the God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be dismayed. That word dismayed. Do not fear or be... He was saying, don't be discouraged. Okay? And that word means to be cast down or thrown aside. Dismayed. Being cast down or thrown aside. What it means is you're walking down a path of life and suddenly something comes and pushes you off your path. Okay? 
and you get off the path that God has for you, you get off the things, that, the direction, you get off the focus that you have, and you get distracted. There's an element of distraction. You get distracted from what's really important in your life, and you begin to head down this other road in your life. Now, discouragement doesn't come that moment with this one. Discouragement comes over a period of time that's because you've gotten off in the path that God has for you and you've wandered down another road of life. And one morning you wake up and you're very discouraged and you can't, you can't explain to yourself, why am I discouraged? There's no reason for you to be discouraged because it didn't happen yesterday. It didn't happen last week. See, a lot of times we get discouraged and we don't know why we're discouraged. It just is on us. And when you feel that, it's because there's some, and, and there's some news that came to you that distracted you and pulled you away because the, the other meaning of that word has an element of a spoken word, a word that somebody brought something to you. That's, see, that's what I, this is what I think about the news media in America. I think it's demonic. I think the devil is prophesying through the news constantly. Okay, because you can, you can have a, be having a great day and watch the news and all of a sudden your day is terrible. Okay, because the enemy's speaking through the news. And, and telling us stuff. And we really had to be careful. In fact, I, here's what I personally believe. I believe the news is one of the worst things on television. Years ago, we heard uh, David Wilkerson prophesy about the evils of TV. And you think about, oh, it's going to those nasty movies and the violent movies and all that stuff, which those are bad, but most Christians have sense enough to watch, not watch that stuff. And even when we get tempted and start watching something we shouldn't, we start feeling bad about it and we start repenting. Like, oh, God, please, I'm sorry I watched that. But we can sit there and watch the news and get our brains beat out by the devil and not even know we're getting our brains beat out. So what we have to be careful about is the news and the words that we allow into our lives. Okay? Because what it is meant to do is meant to push you off the path. It's meant to get you distracted and head another way. You know, if you've got a job and you're working somewhere and all of a sudden you hear the news that there's going to be a cutback, what does that do to you? It messes you up. It distracts you. And if you keep headed down that road of distraction, sooner or later you're going to become discouraged. You got that? Distraction that leads to discouragement. All right, let's look at Deuteronomy 1.28. And I think this morning, honestly, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to some of you about your discouragement. There's some of these that really apply to you, some that may not. But Deuteronomy 1.28 says, uh, this is another one. Where can we... Where... Can we go up? Our brethren has made our hearts melt. Everybody say, hearts melt. melt. Saying the people are bigger and taller than we. The cities are large and fortified to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of the Anakin there. Melted hearts. Melted hearts. Okay, that's, that's what we're talking about. It means to be melted down in your faith from listening and hanging around with the wrong people. Okay? Now, here's the truth. There's some people, all they see is trouble. Everywhere they go, they're looking for the wrong. They're not looking for what's right. They're, not look, they're looking for what's wrong. You know, one of the greatest revelations that I got on how to set your mind on things above and on things of the earth is something that Bill Johnson said a few years ago. He said, this is what he said. And this will change your life if you'll really practice this. You focus on what God is doing or has, do, has done, not what he's not doing. Now, that's a practical way to set your, things on mind, your mind on things above. It's focused on what God has done or is doing, not what He's not doing. And that will change your life. But uh, there's a lot of people, there's people in this church, they're constantly, they're always focusing on what God's not doing. And they're messed up. They're negative people. And here's the truth about, here's what I've learned in my Christian life, is I have to be careful about the people I hang around with. 
because of the, of, it's called wrong fellowship because they will discourage me if I, be, if I hang around them too much. I realize when I'm going to go meet with somebody in the church that wants to meet with me, and I realize this is one of those people who, they're, what I call, a, they're a negative Christian. I have a complete guard around my heart when I speak with them because I realize they're going to say negative things, and if I allow it into me, it's going to bring discouragement. If I listen to them, it's like, daggone, you know, God doesn't even exist hardly anymore. God left us years ago if I listen to them. And I'm going to tell you another thing. Leaders are some of the most, can become some of the most negative people on the planet. Okay? Leaders can. And here's the reason, because leaders hear all the negative. Everything that goes wrong, if you're a leader, if you're a leader in a church or a leader in a business, organization, whatever, a club or whatever, you are going to constantly hear the bad stuff. I have literally gone to pastor's meetings and sat in there and left feeling like I had just been stomped. Went in happy, went in encouraged, and a lot of the way, good Lord, we're in trouble here. We're, you know, our community is going to flush down the commode because the pastors were, some, were negative about everything. Negative about the people in the church. Negative about what God, you know, God ain't doing this. God ain't doing, where's God? Where's this? Where's that? I mean... You see what I'm saying? So you, if you're a leader of anything, you've got to be careful about, you know, the input that's coming into your life. Is you've, got to, you've, got to really, you've got to really have a heart to say, I'm not going to focus on what's wrong. I'm going to focus on what's right. Because there's always going to be something wrong. So you have to be careful about the people you hang around with. You've got to gauge people and find out, are these people negative Christians? doesn't mean you can't fellowship with them, but you limit your fellowship with them. And so I don't really believe in having uh, friends that are, ne- that are real negative. I just don't want to be around them because they're going to make me negative. So I just try to steer clear. Or do you all understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You need to ask yourself this morning, are you one of those negative Christians? Are you always looking for what's wrong instead of for what's right? Because you can be a bad influence on people. I guarantee you those pictures look wonderful. I guarantee they had some problems up there at that camp. <laughs> you know? I guarantee you some kids did some stuff they shouldn't have done. But are we going to sit around and focus on what they shouldn't have done and the bad things that happened? I don't think so. I think it's a focus on what God's doing. So I want to encourage you to be that, but I also want to encourage you to be careful about the people you're around because that will discourage you. It'll bring, it'll bring discouragement into your life. That's one of, the, one of the primary ways the enemy wants to get you. And I've learned that the hard way, by the way. All right, the third way is, is witchcraft. Okay, it's just flat-out witchcraft, uh, Isaiah 42, verse 4. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does this happen to anybody? It says, He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. The Lord himself was never discouraged. Okay, this disheartened, the word disheartened means, a, it means to be broken down suddenly. Broken down suddenly. In other words, the... the the uh, first two, the, the, the bad news and, and the wrong people, the negative people, that does, that's not a sudden break. But there is a, there is a time where, you, where the enemy can come and suddenly hit you with witchcraft. Has anybody ever experienced that? Now, I'm going to tell you, witchcraft is real. And it will, it will discourage you and depress you almost instantly. I've had that to happen to me one time. And I'm not the kind of person who gets real depressed. But one day I, I, I was with certain people, I hate to say it, they were other leaders in the church, and I got this demonic attack on me, okay? And I went within 30 minutes from being normal to dark, deep depression in my life. 
And I don't get depressed much. I mean real depression. So bad, it took me all day to, to pull out of it. And Becky saw me when I was already starting to pull out. She walked in the door. She'd been gone. And she looked at me. I was sitting at the bar. And she said, what in the world is wrong with you? I mean, I didn't even say a word. She just looked at me. She could tell that I had, I had bottomed out. And it's, and it's because of, of witchcraft. Now, here's the way that witchcraft works. The enemy will come to you and he will say something to you. Okay? He will speak something to you. And that's where it really gets into your life, is whether you agree with what he's saying or not. That day, I had really, I was in this meeting, and I really said some things in the meeting that was, I was really opening my heart up and really said what I really felt about a situation with, with the group of leaders. And, and it wasn't really received that well, honestly. In fact, it was, it was basically rejected. And uh, so, I mean, I was fine with that. But I got a little aggravated with them, and, and, all, and, and as I was walking out of the meeting, the enemy started speaking to me and saying, Byron, you're stupid. You should never say, I thought, and I said to this, yeah, I'm stupid. And the moment I said that, the atmosphere shifted inside of me. And I, it was because the enemy came in. I agreed with his word and said, I'm not stupid. That was my heart. <laughs> I'm not stupid. So you see how the enemy can slide in here. And, and so when I spoke it out, yes, I'm stupid, there was authority released. Because we have authority on our tongues. That's why we have to be real careful about what we say and what we agree with. Are y'all getting this? And right now, I'm going to be honest with you, right now we're in a time where God is releasing more and more spiritual authority to people. And, and your words have more power than you realize, both in a positive way and in a negative way. And if you are, are saying stuff that the devil's saying or the world's saying, it is going to negatively affect you. And it does open that door for a greater power to come in and begin to function in your life. We've got to be careful about that because I'm going to tell you something. That depression was bad. It was real bad. And I think the Lord really allowed that in my life to, to teach me a lesson, to let me see something. Because he wasn't going to let me go down. But literally, I'm going to tell you how deep I went. I was sitting there, and I said, I understand why people kill themselves. That's how dark I got. I'm talking about within hours I was thinking that. I understand why people kill themselves. Because I, it was like I had no hope in my life. And when you lose hope in your life, something bad happens to you. And that happened because of, a, of, of witchcraft. Now, I, the place I was in was really infested with witchcraft. Okay? And there was a lot of it going on there, but... You know, and somehow I let myself get involved with that. So, are y'all y'all hear that? Jesus Christ, things came against him constantly. Okay, and he never broke down. He never broke down. He never got discouraged. He never allowed depression into his life. But that stuff was coming at him, and it's going to come at you and I. So, I, I think the way we guard ourselves with that is with this, this, the door of our lips. We keep a seal on it. We'd be careful about what we say. We'd be careful what we agree with. Amen? All right, number four. 1 Samuel 3, 6. This is something uh, that we have, you know, we battle with from time to time, but we've really learned about this one this year really good, unfortunately. Uh, this is when David, uh, you know, King David had been out fighting wars, and he came home to Ziklag, and, and, uh, and the city was burnt. His family had been hauled off. And all his soldiers' families had been hauled off, and they got there, and it was a miserable situation. And it says, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For they, all the people were, 
each one because of his sons and daughters. So um, what happened was, you know, these were the mighty men of valor that had loved David, that some of these very men who had risked their life earlier to go get water from a well in Bethlehem to give to David, now they wanted to kill him. They were so messed up because of what happened to their family, and they were blaming David. You know, our family's been hauled off, and we've lost all our possessions. It's your fault, David, and they want to get David. Okay? And it says they were, they were greatly distressed, and that's the word uh, distressed there. Mean, it means to be emotionally drained, emotionally drained because of difficulties of, of circumstances and situations. Emotionally drained. And so what we don't realize, now, our emotions, okay, our human emotions can get on overload. We can find ourselves in situations that are so, so difficult and so hard that our emotions get completely drained down. Okay, and that was what was going on that day. Their emotions were yanked to the ground. They, they get their emotion. They wept. It says they wept where they, they couldn't weep anymore. And so what a lot of people don't realize is when you go through a real difficult time in your life or a real difficult situation where your emotions are highly engaged, you have to be really careful about what happens to you afterwards. You have to pay attention to your emotions and realize, you know, your emotional tank just got emptied. You're very vulnerable at that moment. Okay, you're vulnerable for discouragement, depression, all kinds of things to come after you. And in fact, I'll tell you this, it's not only just bad things, you can, you can, have, you can be on a real high emotion, okay? And, you know, where you're way up there for a bit, and, and you're, but you're still using those emotions. Those emotions are being used up. So what we had to be careful about is we had to pay attention to what's happening in our life. We had to realize, okay, we've just gone through something that was, that was terrorizing to us. We've gone through something that was awful. We had to understand our emotions have been emptied. There's something coming at us that's going to try to bring us down and discourage us because our emotions have been emptied. And we need God to help us at this moment, help, help our emotions renew. And that, this is a great thing it says here because it gives you sort of the answer to that. It says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. Okay, so David was in the same state. It was his wife, it was his kids and his stuff. He felt the same way they did. And everybody was rejecting him. He, you know, he even got a little extra dose because all his buddies were wanting to kill him. So he was even getting like, man, they're going to kill me over this and, and suffering his own loss. And, but what he did, and this is what I really want to say this morning to people because this is one of the things that we have got to figure out how to do is we have got to be able, we've got to quit depending on just other people and just the atmosphere, just the move of God, all that stuff that comes out here. We've got to be able to tap into in here. See, that's one of the problems with the church, I think, is we are waiting for God to do something out here where God may be saying, listen, it's already in here. Pull it out of here. David didn't sit around for some prophetic word to come to him. David went inside of himself and found the strength of the Lord in there. See, that's why I was saying your emotions need to, you need to understand your emotions so you can get to your spirit man where the Holy Spirit is so you can pull on that. We should be able to go into any circumstance or any atmosphere. I'm talking about just in a normal time, okay? And not let and that atmosphere don't really affect us. That we have a that, that our atmosphere is flowing out from our spirit. So you see, you can you can get that, and we should be able to bring revival where we go by pulling on what's in here. I mean, a few weeks ago, about a month or so ago, Robin McMillan came here and preached a, a great message on this subject about 
you know, about the open heaven is we already have it. If it ain't here, it's here. And we've got to learn how to do it. David is an Old Testament man that knew how to, knew how to tap into the Spirit inside of him. And we haven't learned that in the church. We haven't learned how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Okay? And I'll tell you what that did for David. This is just sort of a side note. On it. David was not an insecure person at all. Because here's everybody was hating him. You know, an insecure person, they've got to constantly like, Oh, Matthew, you did so great, Matthew. Uh, you're just so wonderful. And he feels good at that moment. But then the next time he does something, if you don't do the same thing for him, he's on the floor because he needs somebody to always be telling him how good he's doing. That's an insecure person. And the insecure stuff doesn't work in the kingdom of God. You've got to come to a place where, you, where, where people, well, you know what? I gave this great message and nobody gave me a comment on it. You just get used to it. It was the Lord. I know it was. But whether people believe it or not, or people tell me I did good or not, I don't really depend on that. You can't depend on it. You've got to find something between you and the Lord. I want to encourage you to do that. And we should be doing it because the river of God is really in here. And you've got to learn how to pull on that river and release that river. Because if you're depending on somebody else all the time to make you feel good about your life and to help you come into the move of God, at some point you've got to do it yourself. So, are y'all good with that? So find your encouragement when discouraging things come. Pay attention. You know, we've gone through a terrible summer emotionally. I mean, I ain't never spent so much emotion in my life. And I've realized I've had fatigue on me. Okay, it wasn't physical fatigue. It was emotional fatigue. I felt tired all the time. I thought, why do I feel tired all the time? It's because my emotions were burned up. I didn't have anything in my emotional tank. And so, you know, Lord, I need you to help me. I need to get be still. I need to get quiet. I need to still myself before the Lord. I need to soak. I need to be in the presence of the Lord and let Him renew my emotions and bring fresh emotions into me and heal my emotions. Otherwise, I'm going to be getting messed up. And I'll be getting discouraged. You know, that was one of the things I really wanted to do with the church here after, after what, when Matt died, when, you know, once we went drug through all that emotion that was so intense for us, is to watch people and watch the ones who are starting to feel discouraged and not knowing why they're discouraged and not knowing why they're starting to pull away and drift off. It's because their emotions were overused and they didn't have any emotion to give. Are y'all following me? We really need to learn about this. We need to learn how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We need to learn how to pay attention to our emotional gas tank. And really make sure we take care of that because it can really, really bring discouragement into your life. All right, number five, we'll move on. I'm running out. I got five more. Yes, ma'am, you may. One thing, um, years ago at a women's meeting that Dottie Smith spoke, this has always stuck with me. Her message is basically that Jesus himself found time to get away with the Lord. Even when the crowd was pressing in on him, You'll see it in Scripture. The crowd will really be pressing on him, getting, trying to get things out of him, and he would actually leave the crowd and go to the mountain to be alone with the Lord. And this is the uh, statement that Dottie Smith made that has always stuck with me, and the Lord brought it back this week. She said this, that, si- uh, that <laughs> silence to the soul is what sleep is to the body. Isn't that good? Silence to the soul 
is what sleep is to the body. And I would encourage you to write that down and remember it. Yeah, because, true. you know, God made us for a Sabbath rest. And, you know, and I think sometimes people get lost in the fact of the new covenant that the Sabbath is no longer like, a you day. know, a thing. But it really is a thing. Man was made to have one day a week to really have some downtime. And I believe our society is so ramped up. We just stay ramped up all the time doing. And we have to remember, I, I believe this has a lot to do with us getting really messed up too, is we need that downtime. And the Lord actually said, I had about six hours on Thursday where I was totally alone. And, you know, and it hit me. The statement hit me because I was like drinking that time alone. And, I really, and I've had time alone in the morning with the Lord pretty regularly for a long time. I always get that. But I think we need these extended times where we just really just get with the presence of the Lord. And the Lord brought that back to me, is that silence to the soul is what sleep is to the body. So. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So we really need to pay attention. Pay attention to these things, okay? All right, number five. All right, this is really good. Number five. It's 1 Samuel 13, verse 6. Uh, it says, When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, anybody feel like they've been in a strait? Then in parentheses, For they were hard-pressed. When the people, And then the people hid themselves in caves and thickets and cliffs and, cell, and cellars and in pits. Hard-pressed. It means you feel oppressed because you cannot reach the standard that's set before you. That's the heap. You cannot. That's, that's what that... Fathers, don't exasperate your children. A lot of times we exasperate our kids because we're asking something of them, and in their minds, I can never satisfy my parents. I can never make them happy. I can never do what they ask me to do. And they become exasperated. In other words, they, be, they feel hard-pressed, and they start withdrawing themselves. Okay, that's a great parental mistake. That's why the Bible says that in, in uh, Colossians 3.21. Don't exasperate. Don't press your kids so hard where they never feel like they measure up. A lot of people feel that. Okay, we get in situations, you know, like if you get into a financial situation, and when you run out of the answers, this is what happens to you. You run out of answers. I have no more answers for my life. I have no more answers for my situation. That's what they're talking about there. And this discouragement comes in, and then you begin to withdraw into the caves, into the cliffs, into the thickets. Has anybody ever done that? Of course you have. We've all done it. Because we were looking at what's in front of us, and we have no answer. We have no solution. And we get this discouragement on us that makes us draw back. And so we have to pay attention. When we're in those situations, we feel like, I can never do what I, what's required of me. I just can't. I'm not going to be able to do it. Be careful. You know, you need to kind of move yourself out of the way at that point. A lot of people who are perfectionists, have you noticed a lot of perfectionists suffer with depression or discouraged all the time? People who are very idealistic. It's because they, number one, is they can never do what they in their own hearts, they'll never get there to that goal. That goal was so high, they can never get there, and it frustrates them. And then they put that on everybody else. The worst, one of the, some of the most hard people to, div, to deal with in the, in the church are perfectionists. Because no matter what you do, it's not good enough. You never, you are always falling below their standard. Always. So we need high goals. We need high standards. But they don't, they don't, they need to be like, in Christ I can do this. The Lord's going to give me answers for this. I can get there. 
And so, I mean, that's important, but we don't need to have these things that, like, nobody's going to bear to do this. Why even try? You know? I mean, I would not get in a, in, a, in, a, in a fight with one of these mixed martial arts guys. I just, like, that's way beyond my ability to fight. And I'm a pretty good fighter. I can fight people. I was real good at fighting in my day. I've never caught in a ring with one of those guys. I mean, it would be about eight seconds, and I'd probably be dead. I'd be really looking for a cave. So you see why a lot of people withdraw. They're in, church, they're in the church. And I think that really hurts a lot of people in the, in the move of God, too. I mean, just to be honest, they see the Lord moving, and, and, and they, they don't connect to it. And they feel like, well, something's wrong with me. I remember when I was first saved, I was in a church where everybody was really going after the Lord. And, I, and my, that was my thing is, God, all these people are so spiritual, and they love the Lord so much. And, and I'm so unspiritual, and I don't even love God like they do. I can never be like these people until I got to know them. I mean, I'm gonna tell you, let me tell you something. This is what happened to me. I got to know this one guy who was very spiritual, prophesied all the time, had a power gift on him, preached, I mean, can preach the pain off the walls. So we're, you know, getting together sort of accountability thing to confess our sins, okay, to each other. And I'm thinking, well, he's going to confess that he yelled at his wife. He had worse sins than I did. <laughs> he was doing worse things than I was doing. I thought I was going to be unloading all this, this young. He was unloading it all on me. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this guy's so spiritual. How could he do that? You know, so we get this illusion about everybody. That everybody's, oh, look at this person. I could never be that. And people will drift away from the church over that. You know, it's just not right. We're really all in the same boat when it comes right down to it. You know? All right, here's the last one. It's what I call the unbalanced life. Now, I've told you before, it's important for us to be balanced spiritually in, our, in, in the realm of our soul and physically. We need to have a balance in all three of those. And I sort of gave you the thing is, is you can't get so into the spiritual realm that you don't take care of your body. You don't brush your teeth. You know, you don't do good hygiene. You don't go to work. Uh, well, here's what happened. Let me just read this. That just was the example, but this gives you a little bit more. It's Numbers 21, verse 4. It says, Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient. Everybody say impatient. Because of the, of the journey. Literally, that means the people became physically drained. Physically drained. In other words, if you in your life, if you're physically drained or emotionally drained, or even spiritually in those areas, if you get just wore out in your life, you're going to get discouraged. In fact, doctors, doctors, I know that this doctor will confirm this. Doctors have proven people who work all the time and, get, and you get to a point, you're, it, these toxins start building up in your body. And these toxins start messing with your hormone levels. Okay? Have you ever noticed that some people seem to be real moody all the time? They're mad. You know, they're just moody. You never know how they're going to be. It's because they're wore out somewhere in their life. They're exhausted. And these, it's not because they're bad people. Lots of it is just a hormonal imbalance in their body created by their lifestyle. And that's what was happening to these people. They were wore out. The journey had physically beat them to pieces. They were just tired. They were tired. And when we get tired and we get wore out in our bodies, we've got to realize it's going to mess with us. It's going to bother us. We could wind up being real moody and angry. One moment we're real loving, the next moment we want to slap somebody down. 
you know, like Becky came in yesterday. I was really tired yesterday. I'd been doing a bunch of stuff. She, you're acting weird, Byron. That's what she said. You're acting. I was. I was. I, but I was. I said, I'm just tired. I'm just wore out. I just want to rest. I don't want to talk. I, don't, I just want to rest. You know how women are. You come in the day, they've been out having fun. They come in and want you to talk to them. And you're like, I'm just so tired. So what, if, what we need to realize, again, overexertion. Not, you know, we're not sleeping well. All those things can affect us and cause discouragement to come into our lives. Exhausted people are irritable, irritable people. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Exhausted people are irritable people. When you get irritated and, and easily irritated and that starts going on in your life, you really need to look at what's going on. You know, something's happening to you. Either you're emotionally spent or you're physically spent. You've been given out too much. You've been poured out too much. You need to stop. You need to rest. You need to get your, yourself back into to equilibrium and balance in your life so you can function. And if you'll do that, you can stay the long haul. And, you won't, and when discouragement comes, because it is going to come in whatever form it comes in, you're able to stand up to it and battle it. Amen? Amen? All right, so this morning, I hope the Holy Spirit spoke to some people this morning. I really do hope He spoke to you about areas of your life. Okay? Maybe one, maybe all of these. I mean, I've been through every one of these. But what God wants to do is He wants people, He wants to break this thing off of you. He wants to free you from being discouraged today. He wants to give you a fresh level of vision. Fresh, renew your heart. Renew your mind. That fire that was in you. Remember when the first thing I read to you, it was like a fire that had been quenched in you. If you feel like your fire has been quenched in your heart, if you feel like you've lost the song of your heart, there's not a melody in your life no more, then the Lord brought you here today to tell you that He wants to restore that melody. He wants to bring that fire, that passion back into your heart. And he's showing you some things that may be keeping it. So let's do this. I'm going to pray. Okay, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer for you. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you that uh, you were never discouraged in your life. Even when everybody deserted you there in the Garden of Gethsemane, at your, your most intense moment, you did not get discouraged. You did not lose heart. You did not give up, Lord. And, Lord, I uh, thank you for that. I thank you that you set the gold standard, but you live in us. And, Lord, there's people, I believe, in this room, I believe the fire's been burned out in their heart. I believe that they are just walking around, doing the best they can. There's not a song in their heart. They, they've gotten down a, a road somewhere, and, they, and they're wondering why they're down there. And I'm, I'm asking you this morning, I'm asking you to restore the fire. I'm asking you to restore the song, Lord. I'm asking you to bring renewal into their life right now in Jesus' name. I'm asking you for health for their soul. I pray for healing for their soul. I pray for healing for their emotions. I pray their heart would be healed and touched today in Jesus' name. And that the joy of the Lord begin to flow in their life in a fresh way today, Lord. We thank you for that. We bless you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.